This episode is made possible by Armoire. I love genius companies founded by women, and Armoire is one of them. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days, and then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. To me, Armoire Armoire solves so many issues I struggle with today, the biggest one being accumulation of stuff. Let's face it, women want to feel on trend and fresh in their clothes, so we like to shop for new clothes often. But I also get overwhelmed when I have too much to choose from, which happens after years of shopping. I forget what clothes I have and I end up wearing the same thing over and over. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back. Whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to brave a department store fitting room with those unflattering fluorescent lights again. Trust me, your overly cramped closet and the environment will thank you. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Heal Podcast. I'm Kelly Noonan-Gorris, and every week I speak to the leading doctors, healers, spiritual teachers, and scientists to find out what is truly possible when it comes to healing. I also interview real people with extraordinary healing stories. My philosophy is, what's possible for one is possible for all. And I've discovered on my journey that so much more is possible than we can begin to imagine. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Heal Podcast. Today, we're kind of expanding to include the animal kingdom. I'm so excited for this conversation. I have Dr. Gary Richter, who is DVM, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, with me today. He's Gary is a distinguished veterinarian, author of newly launched books, Longevity for Dogs and Longevity for Cats. He's an international best-selling author of The Ultimate Pet Health Guide and founder of Ultimate Pet Nutrition. Dr. Richter is certified in veterinary acupuncture and veterinary chiropractic, which I think is so fascinating. I cannot wait to talk about there. 
Um, Dr. Richter understands the benefits of both conventional and holistic treatment methods, which is what this podcast is all about, how to take advantage of technology and science, but also stay as close to nature designed and intended for us as possible. So yes. welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so yes, for all the animal lovers, the animal companions out there, mm-hmm. I, I think we're not allowed to say owners anymore. Is that, is that, have you heard that? It depends on who you talk to, but yeah, a lot of people are going with pet parent these days. Okay. Pet parent. I love that. We'll yes. go with that. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't personally own pets at this. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't have pets. I'm not a pet parent at this moment. <laughs> you can use whatever <laughs> term you want to use. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did grow up with dogs and, okay. and a, uh, 11 foot Burmese python that oh my. My, my father brought home at some point. Okay. <laughs> so we can talk about that. But, um, I would love to know just first and foremost, why you got into veterinary medicine and, and, you know, the passion for animals. In oh your gosh. Life. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was literally one of those, one of those kids who was just always, always an animal person, always have been. Um, you know, I've always been sort of drawn to animals, um, and I've also always kind of been a science geek. So it was sort of a kind of a natural progression for me uh, to go that route. So I, I guess I'm one of those lucky people who sort of had had a pretty good idea of the direction I was going from from a very very early stage. Amazing. Yeah. And did you have pets as a as a child? Or you not got... really? No. Uh, ironically, no. Um, <laughs> no, we really didn't have didn't have pets as a, as a child. Uh, my father was horrifically allergic to cats. Oh. Um, couldn't ever convince my parents to get a dog. So, so no, didn't grow up with pets. All right. So that was your driving force. You're like, I guess so. Be yeah. With animals. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. And I mean, just the holistic aspect is so fascinating. And so, I mean, ac- yeah. who knew that you could adjust or do chiropractic on, on, on animals? Can sure. you explain what, you know, inspired learning that discipline as well and and how that even works like how do you adjust a dog yeah sure so so you know i mean i like every other veterinarian i i went to vet school and learned conventional western veterinary medicine and and you know i was i was out in practice for several years and i kind of got to this place where I, i i i sort of got myself into a bit of a kind of a personal professional crisis if you will in the sense of I think what a lot of people who, who are not in medicine don't realize is that a lot of practicing medicine is really following an algorithm. So if your patient has these symptoms, then you run this test, and based on those results, you may you know do X, Y, Z treatment-wise. And you kind of work your way down the algorithm. And, and the, the sort of the, the crisis that I got myself into is after several years in practice, I was really able to see where the end of the algorithm was. Um, and when I was gonna run out of road from a treatment perspective. And what I never enjoy doing and what I still don't enjoy doing is going to people and telling them there's nothing more that we can do. Um, you know, take them home, keep them comfortable and let me know when it's time to say goodbye. I hate that conversation. Mm. Um, and it led me to start looking to see if there were other avenues, other things that I could do to help my patients. I had had a kind of a brief brush with acupuncture when I was in vet school. So, uh, you know, that was kind of the place for me to start. Uh, I did acupuncture training. And what I realized is when I started treating animals with acupuncture, I was getting further down the road, uh, you know, treatment wise and results wise than I was before. So acupuncture led to chiropractic. Um, uh, so then I, I got certified in chiropractic. And to, to answer your question, 
you know, chiropractic adjustment is not dramatically different from what happens in people. It's it's a little bit less dramatic in the sense of like, there's very little, by the way, of like snap, snap crackle, pop. Okay. Like like when we go to the chiropractor, you almost never hear that. Um, so the 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 mechanics of it are different because obviously their anatomy is different, but the philosophy is the same as your you're putting motion back into joints that maybe are stuck. Um, you know, one of the things I learned when I learned chiropractic is I had, and as somebody, I've gone to a chiropractor for years, I had always thought of it as kind of like a very orthopedic discipline. And what I realized is chiropractic is really more about neurology than it is about orthopedic. Mm. So when you start looking at it through that lens, it becomes a, a, a very interesting modality to treat all kinds of things. Because of the effect on the nervous system or getting the meridians in flow? Yeah, you know, because when, when you're moving joints, especially when you're talking about moving spinal joints, you are invariably affecting nerve function. Uh, and that's really, that's really sort of the, the basis of chiropractic is what you can do with the nervous system. Wow. <clears throat> so uh, let's now talk about longevity. Yes. And... Diet. I know that there are a lot of the questions that you know uh, pet parents wrote in on our on social media, and then just friends that I, I have that you know have been cat owner or mm-hmm. cat parents forever. Um, you know, there's just so much debate around food. Yes. Um, what is what have you discovered is the best form of food? There's all these you know, especially in, in LA, there's like people feeding them real pure food. Mm-hmm. So. Just give us the overview of what you've learned and kind of the guidance you give. Sure. The the big picture is, 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 is and you know, this will come as no surprise to you, but the single greatest thing that anybody that can do to positively affect their own health is optimize their diet. Um, and, and God knows in this country, people do not eat well at, on the whole. Um, and sadly, that is true for animals as well. Uh, you know, the vast, vast majority of animals that are out there are eating dry food, kibble, or canned food. Uh, and when you, when you really look at it, there's no way to get around the fact that, that dry food and canned food is ultra-processed food. Uh, and it has all the baggage that ultra-processed food has for us. We all know that the more fresh whole food we eat, the healthier we tend to be. It is no different than with animals, but for some reason that is a real big disconnect, not only with a lot of, of pet parents, but sadly with most of the veterinary profession. Um, and that, to me, is, is, is something that's very unfortunate and that, you know, I'm, I'm not alone in this, but myself and a lot of holistic and integrative veterinarians have been working on educating people and veterinarians towards in general. Because, again, you know, nobody evolved to eat processed food. Like, that's not how our bodies are designed to work. So it stands to reason that if you put the right fuel in the body that the body was designed to thrive on, that they, that they will do better. And lo and behold, it's true for animals as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is it, is it possible to change? Like if, you've, if you're just coming into this awareness and I, I don't know if it's a cost prohibitive issue, but if you've been feeding kibble and canned food to your, mm. to your pet and you know, yeah. now they're 12 years old or they're eight years old and <clears throat> can you switch? Are they gonna? Oh yeah, yeah, you can absolutely switch. I mean, it's never it's never too late to improve nutrition. And again, like that's no different than you know a middle aged person who's been eating poorly their entire life can still improve their health by changing their diet. Uh, you know, and the nice thing when it comes to pets is because they are one hundred percent reliant on what we feed them. 
like it's not a willpower issue with them like they're not craving going to mcdonald's or getting pizza or something like <laughs> you know they're getting whatever we give them um so so you know it's it's this amazing thing where we have this degree of control that doesn't exist with most people i mean if i had somebody in my life that was literally cooking every meal for me that i ate and they were all perfectly balanced that would be amazing yeah but, i mean not many of us have that luxury pretty much all of our pets have that luxury um you know you brought up something interesting though that it is sometimes a financial issue um because just like with people fresh whole foods are going to be more expensive than processed foods and that's sort of a you know kind of a financial calculus that people have to do uh and that's something that i sit down and talk with people about all the time and the, you know the thing to remember is it's not an all or nothing thing like if you can feed your pet all properly balanced fresh food that's amazing if that's not logistically or financially possible the more fresh food you can give them the better it's not like if if every meal i eat isn't perfectly balanced fresh food i should just throw it all out the window and eat nothing but junk food that makes no sense mm -hmm. um, so it's just a function of get them as much fresh food as you can if you can do all fresh food that's amazing but otherwise do what's possible yeah and is it i mean i just hear so many <clears throat> friends with pets and like lymphoma seems to be a thing or kidney mm -hmm. failure seems to be a thing in yeah. cats and dogs mm -hmm. Is that because of all the processed food, you think? or what? That's part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of reasons. I mean, there's genetics, there's environmental causes. There's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's quite a wide range of things. But there's no doubt in my mind that diet plays a part of it. It certainly does with us. So mm -hmm. why would it be any different with an animal? Um, and, and again, you know, you think about, like, we know the effect that processed food has on people over time. It's very well documented in the scientific literature. Now think about what would happen if every single meal somebody ate for their entire life was ultra processed foods. I mean, and, and then we all scratch our heads about why these animals are getting sick and dying before we think they should. Yeah. Oh, I know, it makes me sad. <laughs> it's a very fixable problem. Yeah, okay, you know. good. So what is the diet that you recommend? I mean, is it per breed? Or is it, you know, I've heard, you know, do dogs like, is it bad to eat, feed them the hamburger scraps from the dinner table or steak? Like, yeah, yeah. Someone asked that. I'm there's sure. a lot to unpack there. So, yeah. so um, speaking broadly, uh, what is ideal is a properly balanced fresh whole food diet. Uh, exactly what's in that diet, ingredients-wise, it, it varies. Uh, you know, I mean, just like just like people, animals evolved eating a variety of food. So it's not like it has to be this forever. Uh, in fact, I normally recommend that people rotate through different ingredients over time to give the body different nutrients because that's how that's how the body works best. Uh, to your question about like table scraps and whatnot, uh, it, you know, this this will be a very sort of perhaps unexpected comment coming from a veterinarian, but I think table scraps are great. Um, now, now that you know, there's some caveats to that. <laughs> It's important that we, you know, we not feed our pets things that are, you know, heavily spiced or seasoned because it can cause tummy upset. There are certain food ingredients that you don't want to feed animals, things like onions, grapes, raisins, chocolate. You know, these things are they're toxic. Um, outside of that, I mean, if you're eating fresh, healthy food, there's no reason why you can't give some of that to your pet. Uh, for the sake of saying it, for purely behavioral reasons. 
it's a good idea to whatever you're going to give them, put it in their bowl rather than feed them from the mm -hmm. table because otherwise you're going to have an incessant beggar for a pet. <laughs> um, but that's more of a behavioral issue than a, than a nutritional one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we can come back to some of the specific food questions. Like sure. What is a, uh, you know, a vegan diet? Like some pet parents want mm -hmm. to feed their, you know, pets what they eat so yeah what's yeah, a healthy let's, vegan let's diet? talk about that yeah. and 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 so i'll preface this by saying i myself am vegan oh amazing uh so um so you can feed a dog vegan um just like ironically just like with a person you have to you have to be a bit more careful about balancing the diet um you know dogs are dogs are what i would describe as sort of a carnivorous leaning omnivore uh so they are they are well enough equipped to eat a plant-based diet that you can do it if it's being constructed carefully. Uh, there are recipes out there if you want to make something at home. Uh, there's not a whole lot from the standpoint of commercially made fresh whole food vegan diets out there. I'm sure there's some companies out there, mm -hmm. but there's not a lot. Uh, but yeah, you can do it in a dog. Uh, cats, it's a hard no. Oh. Cats are obligate carnivores. Feeding a cat vegan is basically you are going to create a very sick animal. Wow. They're just not designed for that. You know, as a colleague of mine once told me, you will never see a lion in the wild drag home an ear of corn. <laughs> it's just not a thing that, that you will ever see. Uh, so cats, no go. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. It's almost like you think the opposite, but that's yeah. That's amazing. Um, one thing that fascinated me, before I dive into the specific questions from my pet owner, followers out there. I'm sorry, pet parents. Gosh. You can use whatever term okay, you want. Okay. I'm, I'm not insulted. It's fine. Um, uh, have you seen this phenomenon of, I think it's particularly in dogs because there are tend to have been thought of as very compassionate and empathetic. Sure. Um, I've heard these fascinating stories of where a dog has developed the same illness as a mirror to their human companion mm -hmm. have you seen cases of that i have i have absolutely seen that happen um you know whether or not one can directly connect those dots i think is a perhaps more of a philosophical question than a medical one but yeah um it's it's interesting what we're, every now and again i'll i'll have to talk to somebody about you know we just diagnosed your dog with xyz and they kind of give you this funny look and they're like i have the same thing wow. so it, it happens from time to time and you know it, even setting that aside for a moment, there's no question that dogs are incredibly empathetic uh, as far as their owners go, and, and cats are as well. They're, it's a little bit less obvious cats because they're they're not quite so effusive emotionally speaking, you know. But particularly dogs, I mean, they are pack animals by nature, so they're very in tune with with those that they live with. So yeah, I mean, it's not it's not surprising that those kinds of things come up. Yeah. And I think I just I just want to mention this that if your dog is presenting with some sort of symptomology or, or illness, yeah, and there's an intuition that sparked in you, like, oh wait, I've been feeling something off. Like yeah. I would go get checked yeah. by a doctor because there have been those phenomenons where the dog, you know, cues you into getting checked, yeah, and then you have that something developing, and the dog was kind of like a an angel messenger saying you got to take care of yourself sure and you know i think it, it, it holds true with both human medicine and veterinary medicine if something in your mind is telling you something's not right go get it checked out yeah 
you know what? The worst thing that happens is, is your doctor says you're fine. Your veterinarian says he's fine. Go home. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you, the better. earlier something gets diagnosed, the better the chances are it'll go well. Totally. And do you, I know like just the emotional, obviously, if, a, if an animal is in an environment of high anxiety or stress, or maybe there's like a family trauma happening. And sure. The, like, what's the mental health connection that you see between anxious animals and anxious parents? Oh, it's a huge problem. I mean, you know, we, <laughs> we see a lot of people will come into the office with complaints about like behavioral complaints about the dog or the cat uh, that they're doing something that the owner doesn't like and like the owner comes in and they're all spun up and stressed out and like you know like part of me is like there, there's a little comedy here because like <laughs> they just don't see it i'm like do you not see what's what's happening here and and you know one of the things that i talk about a lot uh in the longevity books is is and and we've kind of touched on a lot of this but but really the effects of diet exercise and lifestyle on longevity the science is quite clear um, and, and to your point, when pets are living in a house where the people are stressed, then that is going to elevate their cortisol levels and all of the same stuff that, that comes with it, um, including shortening of lifespan, uh, will happen with them as well as us. Yeah. So are you able to give the pet parent a prescription for... <laughs> you can give them a little, a, a little armchair counseling yeah. um, and say, you, maybe you need to go talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. This episode is made possible by Haya, the children's vitamin my family loves. I'm going to be honest, I was a super picky eater growing up. So when my daughter, who's also picky, wants to eat the same few things over and over that aren't exactly the most healthy of options, I don't fight it. But that doesn't mean I don't worry about her nutrition and health, which is why I'm so grateful for Haya and their super packed children's multivitamin that fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya vitamins are my biohack for my picky eaters' nutritional needs. Formulated with the health of nutrition experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. I can sleep at night knowing my daughter is getting the nutrition she needs to thrive, even when her dad and I are a little more lax on sweets and snacks. Oh, and speaking of sleep, Haya just came out with their Kids Bedtime Essentials, a non-habit-forming nightly chewable to help kids relax before bed and wake up rejuvenated and refreshed. Our daughter sleeps with us, so this has been a game changer. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door every month, so we parents have one less thing to worry about. Thank you, Haya, for everything. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com heal. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L th.com slash heal h-e-a-l and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults this episode is also made possible by aquatrue guys i'm a water baby i love oceans i love lakes and i love drinking water in fact i can't get enough which is why i love aquatrue the easiest purified filtration system i've ever come across and one i really trust with so many pollutants and contaminants in our tap water these days, and I'm talking prescription meds, fluoride, arsenic, chlorine, PFAs, and microplastics, I just can't trust a basic charcoal-filtered water pitcher anymore. 
AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And the best part? The filters are affordable and long-lasting. There's no changing filters every two to three months, which I always lose track of. Well, not anymore. AquaTrue filters last from six months to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. I love AquaTrue, and I know you will too. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code HEAL at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code H-E-A-L. Longevity for cats, longevity for dogs. What are like... You just kind of mentioned exercise, the, the basic fundamentals yeah. of, mm-hmm. of, of health and, and longevity. Um, give us some that maybe not so obvious or what, what? Sure, yeah, so, so foundationally speaking, it's diet, exercise, and lifestyle, but it, it goes so much further than that. You know, the next thing that I talk about in the books is, is veterinary care. Uh, and, and you know, that's both from the perspective of how to be proactive with preventative care but also how to really critically think about some things that are done very commonly in veterinary medicine that might not actually be doing your pet favors. Uh, So for example, if and when they're spayed or neutered, uh, how frequently they're vaccinated, whether or not they're getting regular medications, flea, tick, heartworm medication, antibiotics, anti-inflammatories, all these things have a place in medicine, but in many cases they are drastically overused and they're having negative impacts. So that's a thing. You know, then there's then there's more longevity specific therapeutics. Certain supplements uh, can be can be very, very beneficial. You know, uh, you know, I, I go through and really list out all of the all of the known hallmarks of aging in the book, and then go through supplements, pharmaceuticals, regenerative medicine, and discuss how all of these things touch on these various aspects of of, of aging so we can start to really kind of plan out how to slow that process uh, so our pets are living longer and better lives amazing so the details are in the book the details are in the book and and for anybody that is at all familiar with longevity science for people it will all look very very familiar Uh, it's really just a function of applying what we know for what's being done in people and animals and you know the, the irony is is if you look at the science behind most of what's being done in longevity medicine for people, almost none of it is based on human clinical trials. There are none. It's based on preclinical data and animal trials. So, I mean, if an animal trial is good <laughs> enough to treat humans for longevity, it surely should be good enough to treat animals for longevity. Correct. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, okay, let's get into some of the specifics for Fire the, away. the pet lovers out there. Uh, <clears throat> okay. How do you make an animal lose weight when they show no interest in playing? So, and, and, and I'll kind of keep coming back to the corollaries in people because it's, it's almost always the same. So when you're looking to lose weight, 
honestly, like exercise is important, but nobody really loses weight from exercise. It's a diet question. Mm -hmm. It's a calories question. So number one is how much they're, they're eating. Number two, it's what they're eating. So going back to what we were talking about before, one of the things about, you know, what most dogs, for example, are eating, they're eating kibble, which is obscenely high in carbohydrates, 60, 70% carbs. Well, I mean, you know what would happen if most people ate a diet that was 60 or 70% carbs. So getting them on a fresh whole food diet is not only better for them in the whole, but all of a sudden you're increasing their protein and their fat intake and decreasing their carb intake. So just like with most people, if you have weight to lose and you cut back on carbs, but maintain the same calories, you're losing weight. So that's step one is just sort out their diet, make sure they're eating an appropriate amount of calories. And yeah, I mean, exercise is gonna be part of it. Maybe they don't wanna play ball, take them out for a walk, yeah. go do something. Yeah. Yeah. And usually when you're eating better, you feel better, and then you have more energy and desire to do fun And things. that's very much, that, that's such a thing with dogs. Like, you know, take a, like a really fat dog, for example. Like, no great wonder that they don't really want to go for a walk. It's hard for them. Get that dog to lose a bunch of weight, and you'll be shocked how much they want to go out and do stuff, because now it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like with us. It's just, the hardest part is starting. Once you get a little momentum, it gets so much easier. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, as you talk about that, I'm just thinking not only fat, but like the inflammation of the joints. Oh, yeah. Is it, do you, like, <clears throat> diet obviously is the foundation. Are mm -hmm. there supplements that you are giving to, mo you know, dogs? I don't know. I'm thinking of like a German Shepherd right now that have back hip issues. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is there supplements that they, uh, that you recommend for inflammation? Or sure. Joints? I mean, there are so many things. And, you know, inflammation, osteoarthritis, you know, that's, that's, such a common problem in, in, in veterinary medicine. But you know, for me, you know, you look at you look at herbs and supplements like boswellia, curcumin, hyaluronic acid, uh, glucosamine. Uh, there's an herb called devil's claw, which can be very good for inflammation. Um, there's so much stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 just ridiculous how much is out there. Uh, and you know, getting back to you know what we were saying before about pharmaceuticals being overused. One of the most commonly prescribed pharmaceuticals in veterinary medicine are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories oh, wow. to treat pets with arthritis. Understandable, nobody wants them to hurt, but there are potentially back-end side effects of these medications. So, you know, in my office, it's not that I never prescribe those drugs, but I don't start with them. Mm. You know, we start with diet, exercise, supplements like we were just talking about, maybe acupuncture, maybe some other therapeutics. And down the road, as they get older, if they're getting more painful, sure, we'll layer in some pharma if we need to, but it's just not the place you need to start. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's like super acute and you need of to bridge yeah. that misery, yeah, of which course. is exactly- Everything has a place. Again, like humans, yeah. you know, because that those NSAIDs are gonna have side effects on their on their liver and kidney and Absolutely. stomach lining and all of that stuff. Yeah. So same with, same with so our, our, our philosophies are aligned on humans to animals. Um, do you need to vaccinate indoor cats? And if so, how often do we need to vaccinate dogs? If so, what vaccines are absolutely necessary? Is there a safe detox to do afterwards? I know that's a very that's a lot. broad question. <laughs> that's a two-hour conversation yeah. in and of itself. But right. let me see if I can give you a little bit of an overview. Cats. Um, I do vaccinate kittens, even if they're going to be indoor cats, because... I think it is important for them to have some protection. Uh, so let's say, you know, so I'll vaccinate that kitten. 
um, for things like feline distemper and probably give them a rabies vaccine. When they come in, say, a year later, when on the calendar they would be due, if they're strictly indoors and never go outside, I'm never going to vaccinate that cat again. There's just no reason to. So they have no disease exposure. Why would I continue to hit them with something that is intentionally stimulating their immune system if there's no risk of them getting exposed to anything? So that's cats. Uh, Dogs, clearly dogs going in and out is a little bit different. Um, uh, And I'm going to try and keep this short because we could go on. So so just a couple vaccines to talk about. The distemper parvo vaccine for dogs. Generally speaking, once dogs are vaccinated properly as puppies, they will maintain immunity for years, if not a lifetime, regardless of what it says on the calendar. Hmm. Um, You can run what's called a vaccine titer in these dogs and check their antibody levels. So when they're due, you check their antibody levels instead of vaccinating them for something they don't need. So that's one thing. Rabies, uh, you know, rabies vaccines would actually do confer immunity for as long as distemper and parvo do. Uh, The hang up with rabies is that's a legal thing. Dogs legally have to be vaccinated mm. for rabies, so that's a that's a different conversation. Every other vaccine for dogs is on the table for discussion, and it very much depends on what their lifestyle is. Mm. If their lifestyle is such that they are not going to get exposed to disease X, then I am not going to vaccinate them for disease X. Mm-hmm. It just makes no sense. That's one of those things that happens in veterinary medicine all the time is like, well, on the calendar it says they're due, so we should give it. Um, and that's a problem. I mean, medicine should be personalized. Yeah. It should be individualized. I don't, I don't want to walk into my doctor's office and say, well, you know, I mean, you know, you're this age and you're a white male, so you get this. Yeah. That, that doesn't feel right. Right. Well, that's what's happening. Um, <laughs> yes, person- Did I miss anything in that long list of questions? Well, no, I think that was amazing. Okay. Uh, the, the detox. If you're going to give a... A, you know, a dog or a cat, a, a vaccine, yeah. and there's potential kind of lingering effects of, of that. Sure. Uh, how, what would you recommend to detox? So I wouldn't say that every animal I vaccinate, I put on a detox protocol. And I think part of that is because we just don't vaccinate in the same way that a lot of pets get vaccinated. But I mean, you certainly can put animals on a detox program, whether it's, you know, supplements that contain things like milk thistle, curcumin, SAMI, glutathione. You know, when we say detox, mostly what we're really talking about are liver support supplements uh, to help the body sort of flush out any kind of toxins. You know, I was actually just talking to a friend of mine who works in another veterinary hospital, and she was telling me how frequently they see vaccine reactions. Like, you know, they give a vaccine and like a half hour later, the animal's having an allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. And I sat there and I thought for a minute, I literally can't remember the last time I saw that happen in my office. Um, and I think it's partially because of the vaccines that we choose and partially because we don't give them that much and partially because even if for whatever reason, for whatever medical reason, let's say this dog comes in and needs to get three vaccines, I'm not doing them in one day. Mm-hmm. We'll spread them out. You know, uh, you, know you, you give anybody three vaccines in one day and they're probably not going to feel good. So again, it's just a question of like strategizing this out so you're minimizing the negative. Can we take children to your office? <laughs> yes, but I will not vaccinate them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, <clears throat> okay. So dental cleanings. Again, yep. like <clears throat> this is another fascinating thing. Yeah. Um, because there's no dentists in the wild. True. But uh, 
how necessary are dental cleanings for dogs? Are they still as necessary as they get older or if they have other health conditions that mm -hmm. make it more difficult? Okay. So just to a comment that you just made, obviously there are no dentists in the wild. However, a lot of predators in the wild die because they have bad teeth. Interesting. They can't hunt anymore. Wow. Yeah. So like an old lion, that's actually a reason why some lions die when they get old. They can't hunt. Ooh. No teeth. I mean, fun fact, sad fact, yeah. but fun fact. So not every lion, but like that's a thing that happens. Okay. Um, but that said, um, from the standpoint of health and longevity, there is no question that dental health plays a really big role. Um, uh, and you know that is it. That is an issue with animals, and part of it, and you know, uh, you know, we kind of keep coming around to this. Part of it's diet. Um, you know, part of it's what they eat because what you eat affects what your oral microbiome is, and thus affects the degree of periodontal disease that you develop. So again, getting back to proper, evolutionarily appropriate fresh whole food diets. Number one. Number two, ideally speaking, people should be doing dental care at home. Uh, the gold standard without question is brushing. Uh, I am not going to sit here and tell you that I brush my dog's teeth on the regular. Um, I should, but I don't. Um, but you know, regular brushing is the best possible thing that you can do. Uh, there are all natural dental treats out there that you can use. Um, there's a, a company that I work with called Ultimate Pet Nutrition. We created a uh, an all-natural dental chew called Canine Fresh, which I like a lot. I think it works great. Dogs love it. Um, so there's other things. So one of the things that that sometimes gets me into a little bit of trouble with my professional peers is I will often recommend people feed their dog the occasional raw bone to mm. chew on. Um, that's one of those things that makes veterinarians hair on fire. Really? Why? Um, because there's a concern about broken teeth. There's a concern about gastrointestinal obstruction. Mm. But the, 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 the reality is, is if you're feeding, so a, a raw bone as opposed to something cooked, like something literally you would buy refrigerated or frozen, raw bones are softer. So the dogs can generally chew through them. They are digestible. Um, and while they're chewing through them, uh, it, uh, it is scraping their teeth and helping keep their teeth clean. The bone has to be an appropriate size for the dog. I mean, you can't give a chihuahua a cow <laughs> a femur. femur, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, so it has to be something that they can actually chew through. But I find that if you give a dog a raw bone like once a week or once every other week, they, they do incredibly well. Going beyond that, and, you know, clearly dental health is a, is a big thing in my world. Um, we do, in my office, and this is another thing that, sets veterinarians on edge. Uh, we do what are called non-anesthetic dental cleanings. So we have a very highly trained technician who will scale and polish dogs and cats' teeth while they are awake. Wow. Um, now to be clear, this is part of a bigger picture preventative dental plan. It does not take the place of an anesthetic dental cleaning when that's necessary, and we do those as well. There are times when you really have to get in there, get deep under the gums, maybe extract a tooth. It happens, um, just like it happens with, with people. Uh, but again, this all kind of comes back to that whole personalized medicine thing of let's figure out what your pet needs and do what's best for them rather than the, oh, well, they're eight years old, they need a dental cleaning. Mm -hmm. That's just dumb. And cats. Yeah. Do same thing, brushing at home? Absolute same thing with cats. Uh, you know, and it might sound a little crazy to brush a cat's teeth. It's the kind of thing you usually have to kind of start them off early and, and get them used to it when they're small. 
Um, you know, if you have an eight-year-old cat and you come at him with a toothbrush, they're probably not going to be super excited <laughs> about it. And then, and then you just have to do other things. I mean, you know, it, maybe it's dental chews. Maybe it's giving them like a chicken neck to crunch on if they will do such a thing. Maybe it's a non-anesthetic cleaning. Maybe they need a full anesthetic uh, dental cleaning. It just depends on what they need. Yeah. Um, what are some ways to help an anxious dog overcome their anxiety and fear? And I guess I would throw in past trauma, maybe. Sure. And that counts. Um, You know, I mean, I I have often thought that you take any dog or cat that came out of a shelter or off the street and tell me how they don't have some degree of past trauma or PTSD. They just do. They do. They just do. Um, So that's an issue that we have to deal with. Another issue, and, and again, this is a very big corollary with people, you have to look at the environment that they live in. Um, you know, are they living in an environment that is conducive to low stress? Um, some of them are not, whether or not there's, you know, kind of a lot of strife in the house or they live, you know, they live in a very urban area where there's a lot of noise going on outside and the, and the dog or the cat finds that disconcerting. Is that animal able to live a lifestyle that they are sort of biologically programmed to live? Uh, you know, I mean, if you take a highly active, really intelligent dog, like a Border Collie, for example, and you put them in a one-bedroom condo where the owner works 12 hours a day, that dog's going to go bonkers. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be bouncing off the walls and highly stressed and eat your couch and nobody's going to be happy about it. (laughs) Um, You take that same dog and you get them out for a walk three, four hours a day, let them go run around and, you know, be a dog you're gonna find they're incredibly calm and chill at home. Mm -hmm. So, and again, like I have little fluffy Shih Tzus at home. My little fluffy Shih Tzus do not wanna go out for a four hour walk. (laughs) They wanna go do their thing back in the house. So it's very individual based on sort of the, the breed, genetics, age, health condition. So I think a lot of the whole anxiety issue with animals is really a function. It's we get back to that whole diet exercise lifestyle thing. Mm-hmm. Are we optimizing things for their body type, yeah. their genetics? Going beyond that, without question, there are animals that have behavioral issues. Uh, and in those cases, there's trainers, there's veterinary behaviorists, there are supplements that you can put these guys on. And if it kind of gets further down the pathway, there's meds. There's apps just like with people. I mean, yeah. you can put dogs on meds and in many cases they do very well. But the one thing that I always want to stress to people is just like with a person, you can't just put the dog on meds and walk away and think you're done. Uh, you know, I mean, for people, when people take meds for anxiety or whatever it may be, that goes along with therapy. Yeah. So therapy for dogs is training. Um, so what you need to do with dogs is you need to let the, if they have structure, they know what their day looks like if they know what's coming if they know who's in charge if you give them a job and things to do they're going to be much calmer and feel much better about things mm-hmm. training plus meds or training plus supplements or training alone works great this episode is brought to you by purity woods my new secret weapon in skincare i'm doing my best to age gracefully and real slowly so i'm always looking for the next best clean cream or serum with some magical ingredient that's gonna unlock my fountain of youth up till now the clean beauty i found just isn't effective when it comes to anti-aging or it's effective but it's not really clean or organic when you look at the fine print there is a ton of green and clean washing out there 
but my search is over because I have found Purity Woods. Their age-defying dream cream is a game changer. It feels amazing on my skin, it's truly anti-aging, and it's legit clean and organic. Its powerful formula contains revolutionary maple leaf extracts, plus over 25 unique and potent ingredients that help eliminate fine lines, wrinkles, age spots, and uneven skin tone. Maple leaves contain anti-inflammatory, antioxidants, and hydrating properties, which can help soothe irritated or inflamed skin while also plumping, brightening, and nourishing it. I tend to have a lot of red in my Irish skin, and the age-defying dream cream not only makes my skin plump and glowy, it calms the redness, so I wear less makeup and I feel younger and fresher every day. Wait, is fresher a word? Well, it is now. Turn back time on the appearance of your skin with Purity Woods Age-Defying Dream Cream. Purity Woods is currently offering 17% off site-wide, but we have an additional 10% discount for our listeners for a total savings of 27%. Go to puritywoods.com heal or enter code heal at checkout for an additional 10% off your first order. That's P-U-R-I-T-Y-W-O-O-D-S dot com and enter code H-E-A-L for a total of 27% off your first order. This episode is also made possible by Just Thrive, a supplement company I have grown to love and trust in a very short time. Just Thrive makes a probiotic that is different than anything on the market because it's guaranteed to arrive 100% alive in your gut. It has a thousand times better survivability versus leading probiotics. And I'm sure you all know by now, but leaky gut is the root cause of most autoimmune conditions, and it's also been linked to heart disease and cancer recently as well. The Just Thrive probiotic is clinically proven to address leaky gut in just 30 days. And another thing I love, it's antibiotic resistant. So you can take it while on antibiotics to keep a healthy balance of gut flora while you heal. Oh, and Just Thrive Probiotic is as safe as it is effective. Kids can take it, pregnant or nursing moms can take it, everyone. And they just came out with new, clean, healthy gummies that my daughter loves. They're just as effective as the capsules. Just Thrive has a ton of amazing products for the entire family, pets included. So check them out at justthrivehealth.com. Right now, when you go to justthrivehealth.com and use promo code HEAL, you can get 20% off a 90-day bottle of Just Thrive Probiotic and another one of my favorites, Just Calm. It's like getting a whole month for free. And a portion of every purchase goes to Vitamin Angels, a nonprofit organization that saves the lives of millions of children and moms to be around the world by ensuring they get the vitamins and minerals they need to stay healthy and strong. I just love this company. Go to justthrivehealth.com and use code HEAL for 20% off your first order. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned earlier spaying and neutering. Mm -hmm. What's your general philosophy there? Okay, so for many, many years, the sort of the standard, the standard veterinary approach was 
spay or neuter the dog or cat before they're six months old. Uh, and the reason for that was spay or neuter them before they effectively go through puberty. And thus you avoid certain behavioral issues that you might not really want. Um, you know, aggression, urinating in the house, you know, mating behaviors, these sorts of things. So the hang up is, is that what we now know is that, and, and this is particularly true for, for dogs, particularly larger dogs, larger dogs that are spayed or neutered when they're that young have frequently have a higher incidence of certain diseases when they get older. Mm. Arthritis, certain types of cancers, like osteosarcomas, hemangiosarcomas, things that are real bad mm. if they get them. Uh, and it turns out that the dogs that are either spayed or neutered later or not at all have lower incidences of those kinds of problems. Um, that doesn't mean that, okay, we're not spaying or neutering dogs anymore. Again, this is a whole individualized thing. So when it comes to, so cats are a little bit of an easier thing because unless you're like breeding cats, you really don't want an intact male or female cat in your house. <laughs> From a behavioral perspective, it's not going to be a good time. Um, so cats, we generally still spay and neuter early, like early, like six months. Dogs, my general recommendation when it comes to dogs is I would like, for most dogs, I would like to wait until they're at least a year. For larger dogs or giant breed dogs, year and a half, two years, maybe even a little bit later, let them really get fully physically mature, get all of the physical benefits of the hormones mm -hmm. before you take that away. And the other thing that I would say is from a male dog perspective, physiologically speaking, there's really no there's really no necessity for those dogs to get neutered. Like you do have to kind of monitor things behaviorally speaking, um, but with, with a female dog, you worry about them getting mammary cancer later mm. if they're if they're intact and that's a that's a concern with male dogs that's not an issue um, there is a incidence of testicular tumors but if it happens you could neuter them later um, if they get an enlarged prostate you could neuter them and reverse it that way but generally speaking i mean some of the oldest large breed dogs i've ever seen have been intact male dogs mm. um, there's something about them keeping those hormones that that keeps them healthier which you know it's not shocking. That's how they were designed to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, you, when you're not spaying or neutering dogs or doing it later, you do have to kind of monitor behavioral related stuff, particularly if you have a big dog. So like you have to be a very responsible owner. Yeah. You know, so, you know, all of this comes with, 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 with push and pull and responsibility. Right. Yeah, because dog parks, they... Just dog parks, aggression. And, you know, the, the other thing is, like, if you have an intact male dog, even if they are in no way aggressive, they will sometimes be targeted by other dogs at the mm. dog park because other dogs find them threatening and they will attack them. Got it. So that's an issue, too. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, I mean, this is, I don't think you can give advice here if they're not <laughs> your patient, but a 12 and a half year old Labrador has been diagnosed with oral cancer currently postpone chemo and have them on homeopathy. Any suggestions on whether or not this is a good approach? So obviously I can't give direct medical advice on something like that. However, I will say in general, oral cancer in dogs is, it's bad. It's aggressive and, and, it, and it progresses quickly. If I had a dog with an oral tumor, I probably would not go that way. Okay. I think that probably is not going to get done what needs to get done. Got it. Yeah. 
Um, can uh, is it possible for pets and humans to transfer parasites back and forth from one another? So the short answer to that question is yes. The long answer to that question is almost never. Um, most parasites are species specific. Um, there are certain certain exceptions to that rule, uh, but generally speaking, it's rare. Very rare, in fact. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever actually personally seen it. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you've seen a lot. Um, what other animals come in and roll in to your office besides dogs and cats? I mean, these days, my office, it's mostly dogs and cats. We will occasionally see other things, um, you know, birds, guinea pigs, rabbits, these sorts of things. A uh, long time ago, uh, when I owned a different practice, we used to see a lot of wildlife. Um, oh, wow. So so that was, that was fun because all kinds of, you know, like people would bring all manner of things into the office. Like uh, what? Um, you know, anything from like raccoons, opossums, squirrels to hawks, herons, egrets, these sorts of things. Wow. So that was always kind of, you know, you, you never know what you're going to get yeah. when, when that kind of thing That's comes cool. in. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, tear staining in a dog. Any way to stop it? So, I mean, some of tear staining is nutritional. Uh, diet change might help that. Um, some of it is just sort of a natural phenomena in the sense of there are... There's a pigment in tears called porphyrins. So if you've ever seen like a white dog and they have like what almost looks like a, like a rust brown kind of color there, mm -hmm. that's the porphyrins and the tear staining. So that's not completely abnormal. Sometimes they have, uh, if they have a blocked tear duct, so the tears aren't draining well, they do make supplements out there um, that can help with it as well. Um, also just kind of just like regular washing of that area to keep it clean. Um, but to be clear, it's very much, this is very much a non-medical issue. It's, it's aesthetics. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. Um, <laughs> a lot of poop and pee questions. That are Welcome to my world. <laughs> um, any way to stop a cat that always pees or poops around the house when we're not home? I mean, training? So, yeah. I mean, you, that's, a behavior, train a that's, a, that's a behavioral thing. So, sometimes cats is so... It, I think of cats as like little tiny OCD people. So like everything has to be the same all the time. And I will tell cat owners, if you don't believe me, rearrange the furniture in your living room and see what happens. It's going to piss off your cat. Wow. They don't like change. Um, so when people, for example, go on vacation and their regular person's gone, your cat's angry. Um, and frequently when cats are angry, their manifestation of that is I'm going to pee on your pillow or somewhere where I shouldn't. So, so sometimes it's that sometimes if people have multiple cats in the house sometimes it's a a, a literal pissing contest between cats um and they're not necessarily getting along so the 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 behaviorist will say that you should have the number of litter boxes as you have cats plus one so like think about it if somebody has four cats that means five litter boxes Oof. that's a lot yeah um so that's one thing cleaning the litter boxes regularly making sure that the cats get a lot of environmental enrichment and they're they're happy and their their lives are fulfilled so to speak you know i mean cat training is difficult they're cats they do what they want to do it's yeah. not like a dog um and and in again getting back to sort of getting down the road there are sometimes meds that that you know you can put cats on for these sorts of things it's not my first second or even third choice but like Sometimes it gets to a point where, where it, it becomes a necessary discussion. Mm, okay. Um, 
Dogs with floppy ears constantly get ear infections and have stinky ears. Mm -hmm. Anything to help prevent this? So it's not necessarily all dogs with floppy ears. Certainly, like, (laughs) for example, like, Cocker Spaniels are notorious because they have, like, these big, heavy, floppy ears. So what happens is, is they'll get, uh, they'll get, whether it's because they were swimming or is in the rain or they got a bath, but they got water in their ear, and then they have this big, heavy thing, and the ear just never dries out. Mm -hmm. There's no circulation there. So it's almost like, uh, you know, if you look inside an, an ear like that with an otoscope, it's almost like if you've ever walked around all day in wet sneakers, you know what your feet look like afterwards. Mm. That's kind of what their ear starts to look like. Like mm. the skin in there just falls apart. Um, so part of it is keeping the ears clean and dry. Uh, that's a big part of it. Um, part of it is diet. Um, a lot of times inflammation in the ears is set up by bad diets. So again, coming back to that fresh whole food diet thing. Um, And then some dogs, quite frankly, are just prone. Um, Sometimes it's a breed thing, like like Cocker Spaniels. Sometimes it's the way their ear is put together. Um, And in that case, sometimes you just have to be very preventative uh, and proactive with things like periodic ear flushes. Uh, If your dog has very hairy ears that's trapping moisture in there, your veterinarian might need to periodically remove that hair. Um, Chronic ear infections are, they're, difficult to manage um frequently they can be managed but it it takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um why do dogs eat poop and is there anything that we can do to stop it there's a lot of reasons why dogs might eat poop (laughs) and i think a lot of people a lot of people want to immediately hang that up on oh there's something missing they're like nutritionally deficient or something and that is absolutely a thing for sure um, for example, one place that one time that I think you actually do see that is if you have a, an animal that is significantly anemic, so like they're iron deficient, you'll see them eat all kinds of things. They'll like lick asphalt. It's really weird. Right. Um, but setting that aside, it's almost never a nutritional deficiency. More often than not, I think it's behavioral. Um, although I will say that speaking in generalities, dogs love cat poo. They just do. <laughs> Um, I've often thought that if if somebody wanted to make a medication that you could always get dogs to eat, you would make it cat poo flavored because they would eat that. <laughs> um, but but that notwithstanding, it's frequently a behavioral thing. So, um, you know, it's a question of you know, like obviously discouraging if, discouraging them from doing that. If it's um, if it's like happening in your yard, part of it's you need to be more diligent about picking stuff up in the yard. Um, if it's a real problem, like you can put um, a basket muzzle on the dog, like when you take them out for a walk, so they can still breathe and drink and pant and do everything, but they can't pick anything up off the ground. So that's an option too. Okay. Yeah. So I just had an idea. You should make dog toothpaste cat poop flavored. Ooh, your dog's going to have some nutrition. breath. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be a hard sell. Whatever it takes. (laughs) No. Um, Do you guys do any sort of like energy healing at at your whole integrated practice? So I suppose that depends on what what you mean by energy healing. Um, You know, I think whenever you're looking at things like acupuncture, chiropractic, whatnot, a lot of all of that is sort of putting energy into an animal in some fashion or another. I suspect you may be talking more about like Reiki yeah, and things like that. We've done it. I don't have somebody in the office that regularly does it. I'm in no way against it. Uh, it's just not something that we've really integrated into the office. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love real stories. Do you have like an inspiring story or like a story? I feel like one of the struggles that I see animal lovers, pet parents, 
struggle with is like they've di- been diagnosed with this X disease. Yep. Outlook doesn't look good. Where's that balance between keeping them comfort and and helping them transition to sure giving it all I got and spending another eight thousand dollars or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, you know. I mean, it's only for your intuition, but is there? hopeful stories or like an inspiring story you could share yeah i mean we could talk about those all day but and you know you bring up something interesting about the financial aspect of it and that is um i mean that's a real concern um you know i mean there's no there's no social safety net in veterinary medicine like if you don't have pet insurance like you're paying um and don't get mad at your veterinarian if they can't cut you a break because it's it's kind of a thin margin business we're in like you know your veterinarian is not driving a solid gold car um so uh, but, uh, but I am a big fan of pet insurance for that reason, because the one thing that I hate to see is to people make life and death decisions about their pet based on what they can afford, mm. you know? So like, for God's sakes, get pet insurance. Um, that said, um, you know, we could talk about those stories all day. I had somebody in my office just a couple of days ago with an older German shepherd, uh, that I first saw, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so. Um, it's a big, even for shepherds, it's a big shepherd. It's like a 90, 100 pound shepherd. Um, the dog's arthritic. The dog's got bad skin. Um, and he came to me kind of as a last resort thinking like, this is the end of the road. My dog's on his way out. Um, and we sat down and we had a conversation and we, we worked on his diet and we got him on some supplements for, you know, for arthritis and we did some things for his skin. And here we are a year and a half later, I just saw him the other day and he's like, he's like, you gave my dog a new lease on life. I thought it was the end. And and he's now he's doing great. Um, and I've heard that so many times. And you know, you wanna talk about something that'll get you out of bed in the morning is is that. Yeah. Um, whether it is, you know, the you know, the animal that, you know, was diagnosed with cancer and the oncologist said, I give him four months and two years later they're still around. Um, you know, and everybody's kind of scratching their head about what just happened or literally dogs that get carried in and walk out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a, we had a, a dog in my office still comes in, um, that had blown a disc. Um, and the dog was completely paralyzed in the back end, um, and had been for four to six months. Oh my gosh. Um, and you know, I sat down with these people and I said, look, I mean, your dog's not going to walk again. And I made them cry and it was very sad, but I'm trying to be realistic and honest. But I said, look, you know, let's start some acupuncture. Let's get them in for physical therapy. Let's see what happens. That dog is walking. Wow. That dog made a liar out of me. And, and, <laughs> and, and I give all the credit to my, my rehab staff that made that happen because it was their hands that did it. But, but I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what can happen when you give these animals a chance, particularly because, you know, with dogs and cats, there's no self-pity. There's no why me when it comes to animals. They just want to get better. And you give them half a chance, and if they have even an, mm. any scrap of biologic and physiologic ability to do it, they'll find a way. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. So that brings us back to you. We started what? what <laughs> okay. <laughs> little boy, Gary. Yeah. Always loved animals. Sure. Dad, deathly allergic to dogs. Wasn't able to have one. Yeah. Um, now you, I'm just sitting here listening and so many parallels about you and, you know, human doctors yeah. uh, or doctors of humans. Yeah. Um, like what, how do you, how do you navigate that 
con- you know, just that your conscience and you want to give people, you don't want to give people false hope. No, of course not. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, rip the rug out from under them. How mm-hmm. do you balance that? How do you even like, how does your heart handle loss and how do you maintain that balance of keeping yourself emotionally healthy? Maintaining one's sanity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Um, I mean, I think on the one hand, like, I I feel on a personal level, I feel very good about like what we're able to offer these animals. Um, and, you know, so, so that part of it's really nice. I know that we're offering a lot more than most people are going to be able to get in most other sort of veterinary circles. So, you know, being able to give people some hope, some chance at things getting better. And clearly not everything gets better. Um, And our patients die, it happens. Um, You know, but to me, to me, and I think most veterinarians would agree with this, at the end of the day, you know, your goal is to sort of maintain quality of life first. Quantity of life comes second. Um, You know, nobody wants to live to be 110 years old if you were miserable for the last 40 years of your life. Right. Um, So, so a lot of this is how do we maintain quality of life? You know, to your question of like expectations, it's really a function of sitting down and having a very transparent conversation with people. This is what your pet has. This is what we're up against. We can try this, this, and this, and we're gonna hope to get an outcome here. But you know, as I often tell people, there are no guarantees in medicine. That's the only guarantee is like, mm-hmm. there's no guaranteed outcome. And we'll do our best. And that's, the, I mean, that's, that's all anyone can do. And, and, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, when, when it does get to that point, when it's time to say goodbye, to me, as sad as that is, it is also such an incredible blessing to be able to do that. Mm. I look at it as it's the last best favor we can do for these family members. You know, I mean, frankly, it's the favor that you and I will probably not get. Mm. Um, You know, so if we can give them a soft landing and not let them suffer until the end, like, there's no way that I'm not going to feel good about that. It's going to make me sad and I don't like doing it. But at the same time, the alternative is way worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're both crying over here. <laughs> but it is. It's, it's, it's having that ability to connect and oh, soft landing. Um, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And thank you for the work you're doing because you. truly, you know, just in every aspect of society, I think we need, we need you know, to supplement with holistic or actually kind of fundamental yeah. <laughs> take the holistic Agreed. route and then be able to to tap into um, the data and the knowledge and the technologies that, that, mm-hmm. that modern life and conventional medicine gives us. Totally agree. So um, how do people find you? Where where can people find your books and your practice and everything? Sure. So the books, so the new books, Longevity for Dogs and Longevity for Cats, and then my first book, The Ultimate Pet Health Guide, which is a really comprehensive look at integrative medicine for dogs and cats. They're all on Amazon, easy to find. Um, uh, DrGaryRichter.com, at PetExpert.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm in all the all the places apparently (laughs) one is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I am uh, I am no social media guru, but there's people 
that helped me. <laughs> um, so, so that's a good thing. Um, I have uh, uh, all natural pet foods, freeze dried raw food, and supplements at ultimatepetnutrition.com. So that's a place where people can get, you know, you know, if you're looking for an easy way to get your, your dog or your cat on a fresh whole food diet, that's a super easy way to do it. Um, so that's available. And if you happen to live in California um, and you have a pet that needs something, my office website is holisticvetcare.com. Um, and one great little sideline is um, as of January 1st of this year, Veterinarians in California are now allowed to do telemedicine consults. Oh, amazing. Uh, it's a brand new thing. So the person has to live in California. It has to be within the state. But I no longer actually have to physically see the pet in order to treat them. Oh, my God. So, in fact, I did my very first one the other day, um, somebody that lives in Malibu. So ah. so that was great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if somebody lives in L.A. or Bakersfield or whatever, they can still set up an appointment in my office. That's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So more people can reach you. Yes. It's great. And your expertise and your heart. So thank you so much for coming on the, the Heal podcast. And, and just best of luck with all those animals you're saving out there. You bet. Thanks and, for having me. And pet, and pet parents. And pet parents. You're saving them too. <laughs> you bet. Thank you for listening to the Heal podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for more empowering wisdom and inspiring healing stories. And make sure you hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answer you've been searching for. And please rate and review us so that we can grow and reach more people. Thanks so much and be well. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.